wonderful introduce again, Ralph Whitaker and Ken Ward. <laughs> Thank you all for braving the uh, credit sequence. There's a lot of music there. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm Ross and this is Ken, obviously. So uh, I think you're, there's so many people that have stayed for the Q&A, so I think it went down well, Ken. <laughs> I did warn them. <laughs> um, I think you'll agree it's a wonderful film and, and just such an enjoyable film from an audience point of view. It's, it's such a great experience, I think, to share a film like that with an audience. Um, I'll start by asking a few questions, but we will open up to the floor, so if you have any questions, uh, be standing by for that. So I'm sick of Ross, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't the first time we've done this, actually. Um, you know, usually the kind of the question you start when you're doing a Q&A is like, where did the idea come from? And just to kind of a variation on that, I was thinking about your work today, and like a lot of filmmakers... <laughs> will have a certain type of obsession, a theme, or something that they're really interested in. And I was thinking about you and your films, and, and which is three features and numerous shorts, and it, it kind of I thought it was really relationships that you're very interested in. Well, I'm glad you didn't say my mother, <laughs> which I've been accused of, obviously. You, you, you've moved on from that. I've just about. Uh, so <laughs> when you're approaching a film or you're looking for a subject material, is it that that you're looking for? What is it? that brings you to a certain subject? Uh, well, obviously, like, I had grand ambitions when this project started out, because it was a real art uh, with the Arts Council, and we were talking about the application process going in, and I think now looking back on the treatment that I would have created for it, it was a lot more artistic, or a little bit more uh, arty, if, if the word's right, uh, the initial intention, but of course, I got sucked in as soon as I discovered um, the wonderful characters that are out there teaching music and learning music, I just got connected with these people and therefore I wanted to focus on the relationships a lot more than probably my initial idea was slightly more abstract than it went. Uh, but of course, I also don't play the piano, so when I got sucked into the interview scenarios, uh, I might, honestly I would glaze over as soon as the conversation would turn to anything that was, <laughs> was about the process because I didn't understand it. And I wanted to make sure that the film could be appreciated by people that didn't have the opportunity to learn music because I guess maybe in the back of my mind that was uh, part of the idea that, you know, I, I talk about the fact that my sister had been the one in the family that had got, like, and I'm talking about three or four lessons, but she'd failed miserably, so my mother wasn't going to waste any more money. Uh, so uh, I, I, I think, yeah, of course, it was the connections. I'm, that's what I do. I don't do much else. The camera stays quite still. I observe, I hold back, and I just let people be themselves, really. And it, wh why is it, do you think, that relationships is this thing for you that you come, seem to keep coming back? Or do, you, or do you think I'm right in saying that, that it's the thing that you come back to that, that interests you? Well, I suppose when you're not out there, like I don't have, I'm not making big journalistic projects with great uh, things at stake or great causes at their heart. So, uh, I mean, there's always a bit of a drama in a relationship or there's something that we can understand because we're in them. We've had, you know, uh, you know, if you go back to his and hers, we've all had relationships that we love the person in and here we uh, experience a teacher-student relationship. And I think we've all had a moment be it good or bad with a teacher and I thought there was opportunity in there to explore and make it connect with people beyond 
you know, because I, I, you know, as a person that sits in the audience, I can go and see a great film, but ultimately it is a personal connection to it sometimes that elevates it into something a bit more special. And uh, so you're always looking around for something that can, can feel a little bit more special. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> can I go back? Sorry, because yeah. you asked about inspiration, and I've become. I was I was doing the Ray Darcy thing the other day, and it was so lovely because there were there were characters from the film, and every time I spoke, I sounded like a robot because I've you know when you talk to journalists, they just ask you same stuff. But I've I, I remembered a little a, a new reason why I may have subconsciously come up with piano because I used to sit on my granny's stool um, when she practiced. She was the sub in the church playing the organ. And she wasn't very good. Well, she was good, but, you know, she would be a bit of a panic. And uh, she had about five hymns in her. So <laughs> we would, so I got to turn the page. And uh, it probably was in the back of my mind. That was my first introduction to piano and stuff. But I said she only had about five hymns that she knew. Right. And uh, anyway, that was fresh to me, so I didn't do it today. <laughs> the, the, um, you talk about things being at stake so I suppose like one of the big questions that you get asked when you're pitching a film or whatever it might be is like, what's at stake here? And that seems <laughs> to be something yeah. that you have kind of, I suppose, explored, but not in the kind of traditional way, like where like things are at stake on a plot level. But it's more like something's at stake within the relationships. And you seem to really kind of find that those little things that are very important to those people. And like, that's why we watch, you know, you elevate those small things. It's, it's not, it's, you know, people would like, to, might say that the film, you know, or they might say it's sweet, or people might think that the filmmaking, like that there's, and I wouldn't agree with this, but like it's, it's, there's a lightness to it, and there's a lightness to your touch. But I think the things that interest people, us in, in watching, and what um, keep, pe keeps people coming back to your films, is that there's something within, there is something at stake. I just wondered about how you, think about that and how you approach that and how you find that? I don't think, I, I don't overthink it. So, um, you know, I, I think, as you said, it was a, it's about the connection. And I think when two people sit in a room together and some of them have sat for 10 years, for 30 minutes, and you've experienced a bad day at school and you go in and you see this lady that you really don't want to see again and you haven't practiced. I mean, there's a lot going on in your head if you're a seven-year-old. <laughs> or, you know, so um, I, I don't know, really. <laughs> I, I guess I think there are other filmmakers out there doing the kind of projects that have big things at stake. And I think there is a place in this world for the ordinary stuff. And I think there are wonderful films that deal with difficult, difficult matters and are really important. And everybody needs to see those films because they've got a cause or they've got it. And there's big things. But I, I'm not ever going to be that type of filmmaker because I'm not drawn to that. And I don't think I would be uh, comfortable even in that space. And I connected with something when I was back in college where I made little films about my family on the farm back in Port Arlington. And I saw that there was other people enjoyed that and I kind of latched onto it and I've remained the same ever since and I've enjoyed it I mean I had that was shot in the most wonderful summer uh, going around meeting people having the cups of tea I had queen cakes baked for me I had banana bread out of the oven you know and it was myself and Steve and we just had a ball like 
And what a wonderful job. I mean, there are people out there stressing about filmmaking and because there's big stakes. <laughs> I'm just worried that there's going to be a lunch, you know, and <laughs> are we paying for it because the budget doesn't stretch? <laughs> so, you know, I, do, I, and I don't know if I'd be very happy. Like, I'm very fortunate, like, that I've had a little bit of success with these type of films because obviously it's very hard and we're very privileged people to be give, afforded the opportunity to make film. So I do take that on board that there's, I've been lucky that I can pitch it and people understand that maybe there is a place in the world for these films. And that's, that's wonderful and I hope it continues. And, um, you know, I, I, I do understand that I've been lucky as a filmmaker because it's a difficult environment and there's, we're all battling for the same small pot. Yeah, I mean, it, you mentioned Steve. So who, who was Steve then that you were on the road with? And how, yeah. did, how did you guys work together to, 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 with so, only a two-person crew, obviously? To yeah, two-person crew. Okay, so first and foremost, I mean, I'm the director sitting up here and I always am so conscious of the fact that making a film is a team effort. And I had an amazing team and I couldn't have done it without the guys. They're not here tonight because they're sick of seeing it. And <laughs> they've had some opportunities previously. So Steve did the uh, sound on it. And he'd never worked on a film before. And he'd come from a music background. And he did an amazing job, given the fact that he was recording pianos everywhere we went. And people talking over pianos. And it was difficult. Uh, so it was myself and Steve. I did camera. And uh, as Seamus Waters and Brian Rafferty did an amazing job in the casting. And we kind of worked very closely together. And then John O'Connor did the editing. And Andrew Friedman did the producing, which is the unsung hero of it all, because he kept us all together and kept us all on track. And as he would tell me regularly, we're not making a drama here, Ken. It's a documentary. <laughs> when I would flap around the office complaining. <laughs> um, I'm going to open up to the floor in a minute. I'll just ask one more question for now. And then if, if you want to be ready with your questions. Um, the, the people in the film are so crucial, you know, that, that, that them, each character in and of themselves, but then how you blend all of those characters across the film, so crucial to what you do. How do you find them and how do you know that they're right for the film? Uh, that's a good, good instinct. And we found them by the age old, like, I mean, nowadays you don't get the telephone book out, you get the, the uh, Google and you start just going piano teacher, you go piano teacher Longford, Kerry, you go through them all. And then once you've sorted them out, and unfortunately some of the wonderful piano teachers wouldn't be on Google, uh, like Sheila, the lady who is full of the nuances, uh, <laughs> or Eileen, our, our lovely lady down in, in Crosshaven in Cork, who's in her 80s, who has like five students battling with Joel and his fringe. Uh, and that, you know, those people aren't on the web. So that was word of mouth. And actually that Eileen would have been Andrew, the producer's uh, wife's teacher when she was growing up. And we didn't even know if she was still teaching. So it was a bit of a discovery. And Eileen made me uh, butterfly cakes with the <laughs> butter icing. <laughs> I still remember Eileen's uh, butterfly cakes. Uh, so 
it was just a gut instinct. And then, of course, we did have people that didn't make the final edit. I mean, it was, uh, unfortunately, we had another idea towards the end of the film where we would, go, uh, we would go beyond the grades and go into the next kind of level, and someone would walk out on stage on the National Concert Hall for their first piano uh, recital. And it just didn't feel appropriate to do that because it had been the every person's story up until that point. And that just seemed so alien almost to the students that we'd been with, that that could happen. Uh, so we, we abandoned ship on that. Uh, but I think casting, again, it's, it's about a personal connection. We got to talk on the telephone. I would have gone down to visit them. A lot of people would be worried about a camera coming into their lives. So you'd just say, look, we'll make it as easy as possible. And, it's, and Steve, like also the people you work with, Steve's just a great people person. So it's not a big deal as coming into your life because, you know, we're... We're not, it wasn't dramatic. We just had a, a small little camera and a, and a... What are you looking for, though, in those people? When, you, when you're talking on the phone or whatever it is, are you, if you have a certain type of person, then are you, next time you're on the phone, looking, well, we have someone that kind of is in that sphere. I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving away my secrets. Uh, I actually don't know, to be honest. It's like you just, you just get a good instinct. It's like someone has made you laugh, someone has touched you, someone has you know, uh, shone a light in something you didn't think or brought you in a different direction. Or, you know, like you also took the guide from the teacher. So, for example, Susan, the wonderful lady who is struggling big time to learn, uh, Kim was the teacher. I was like, now, Kim, we problem we would have faced is like everybody was trying to pull off their best student on us and I was like please give us someone that's struggling and she was like oh wait there's Susan <laughs> <laughs> and I was like I need to meet her oh no you don't <laughs> I was like, of course I do so she knew automatically she kind of got it she was like you have to meet Susan because she's a great person great character and her story needs to be told because that's why I'm teaching because of people like Susan. And, uh, and I think the teachers kind of copped it, because we would have gone to teachers first, obviously, and asked them, do they have any students they'd, they'd consider, you know. Um, yeah. Okay, well, let's open up to the floor. And there was, there was a lady at the... Just, just, oh, just, oh, just, just like, do we have, <laughs> do we have microphones? Yeah, we have the microphones. Okay, so the lady at the back left there, if you Sorry, just, we just had a... for the microphone, we'll be right with you. It was a fantastic film, and thank you very, very much. It was excellent. I used to teach the piano when I was a student in university myself, but to students. And I do remember the weakest student I ever had, who was a very slow learner, was the most satisfying of the lot. Uh, obviously, I wasn't teaching at a very high level, like low level, but nevertheless, I really identified with a lot of that. But what I really liked about it, apart from the beautiful photography of it, was the fact that did, it didn't seem to me that any of them were in Dublin, I may be wrong, but I got the impression they were all down the country. <laughs> And I have very little chance, I live in Dublin, to meet people like that and to see inside country homes. And the other thing, the second thing was, all the homes seem to be, if you look at that picture there, it has a collection of shells up on top of it. Yeah. And they all seem to have crafts or culture or music or books. There wasn't a single home that was boringly got from Ikea or somewhere. Do you know what I mean? It was really interesting. And the third and most important thing was, there were loads of men and fathers and boys, and they tend to get terribly neglected in Irish society at the moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can, um, so there's a lady down here. I want, can I actually, just as a follow-on to what that lady said, the, um, the, the, the places where you filmed, like, would you have chosen, 
like where, the spe- you know do you have a kind of something in mind when you go into a room I want it to look a certain way or well if, yeah good question but have you ever tried moving a piano yeah, I know, well, that's, that's <laughs> I, why I ask no I know, but it's yeah. true I would always people ask me this they were like oh the houses are so tidy and everything but you know if you did you tidy up people's houses no <laughs> <laughs> I but you just think about it if you knew there was a cameraman coming for one day and they're going to be in your piano room I, you know they do tidy and if there was ever something out of place. I did, I would rearrange. I mean, it's just like, I like a tidy frame. And, um, but I don't, I don't remember too much chaos. So, okay. it was, yeah. I just have a simple question yes. for you. Uh, I was you mentioned that you didn't play piano yourself. Yes. And I was wondering, having made the film, were you inspired by <laughs> And if so, if you were starting taking lessons, which of the teachers that you portrayed that you <laughs> Very good question. Uh, okay, so I, I'm, I'll cop out of it by saying I won't ever learn the piano, so I don't have to choose a teacher. Um, in fairness, like um, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm a bit of like I'm a perfectionist, and I'm not very patient. And I'd love to think I could take up the piano, but I know I'm going to be, excuse my French, crap at it. Uh, so the likelihood of me taking it on now is probably not going to happen. Which is a great shame, because it was a beautiful journey. But I'm very lucky that I have piano music in my house, because my partner plays the piano. So there doesn't really need to be two of us uh, hogging the piano. And then, uh, with regards to uh, the piano lesson, uh, and who we would take, Steve and I would regularly have this conversation. And bizarrely enough, and this is how I will say to you, that the one person Steve would never ever have a lesson with in his life was the teacher I wanted to, to teach me. And that is the bizarre, and, and that's a truthful answer. I can't mention the teacher. <laughs> I feel very guilty because they're all great. But it was quite a, a strange scenario because we were like, when I, when I left, I was like, I'd love her. And Steve was like, oh, that's, that's the one I would not uh, be able to cope with. And Steve was a musician and um, plays drums and stuff, so he had a background. And I found that fascinating, because we'd always debate, would that be the teacher for us? Uh, like, it's a cliche, like, it's a, you know, these, the teachers were so inspiring. I, I really have to say that, because I really enjoyed their company. It was just great fun to be around them. And... Um, I think that comes from the fact that most of them start their day at about half two, three o'clock when the kids get out of school. And they, their energy levels have to be at a certain... Like, they, they actually have to have stamina to take on, you know, six or seven kids, all of varying ages, diff, you know, different stages in their piano playing. And they all come in with the baggage. They could have had a row with mum outside the door because they hadn't done their lessons. They could have been rowing earlier in school being but you know so they become sort of little therapists as well to these kids and there's these opportunities so I found that a real sort of education in itself for me because I didn't expect that part of it and we would have heard some really difficult stories that teachers had experienced with pupils and realizing that you know they're only their piano teachers so they can't interfere too much in their lives but to know they're still there as a constant and that they can return to. And music brought so much to so many of these people. And that goes across students' and teachers' lives. And uh, as I said, that, was, that would have been what I took from it. 
I'm sorry for kind of copying out of the question. <laughs> Do we have another question? An easier one. <laughs> Does a lady just here actually, yeah, perfect. Um, I just want to ask about the structure. So you started from, like, um, from, I don't know, intermediate from grade one. Pre grade, yeah. Did you feel that curtailed you at times because you didn't get, like, this, because they were all kind of, like, struggling and doing worse, well, not worse, but <laughs> really, and at the start and then getting better, which didn't mean, like, mean it kind of opened up and bloomed, but at times, did you want to move stories? No, I actually found that really, it's a real safeguard for me because I normally, during a uh, film process, and Ross will have experienced this, you, you're worrying about the story. And I could kind of relax because I thought, this is the story. This is going, the narrative is there. I'm going to start at the beginning and I'm going to end with an accomplished pianist. At the, you know. So I actually felt much more secure than I normally would about the narrative. And we didn't shoot it sequentially, obviously. We were back and forth. So I never kind of got a sense if it would work or not. But for the first time um, doing a feature-length project, I wasn't, um, I knew where I was going. And I didn't worry about it. And, sorry, the one thing I would have sort of been concerned about that the story started to become repetitive and therefore in the casting process I would have been aware of that trying to mix and match so you know for example at grade six I think we have sibling stories uh, or at, at grade four we drop out of the grade system and I take on two students that aren't actually doing the grades and I kind of knew that was like a midpoint but you're never sure if that's going to work it just did um, and I was very fortunate on this project that I had an editor, John O'Connor, working on it. And he did an amazing job and just made it all come together. And he believed in it from the start when he started seeing the footage. He was like, no, it's going to work the way you planned it. And then I, that was also interesting because like, you're, you're normally panicked and you're worried. But he was confident it worked. So it was, uh, you know, straightforward, actually. That I didn't need, I did go back to Loyola, the last lady, because the piece at the end, uh, and I just remembered that today because we were talking to Loyola, that uh, we did go back and we put in the back prelude at the end of the film. So that was the only time we had to return. I lie, I think I went back to Harry and, did I? Jamie, we have one teacher here. He'll be mortified. Uh, where are you, Jamie? He's at the back. He, would, he was the very first teacher, so you may not remember. And he had the lovely little Harry with him. Did we go back and film with Harry? Uh, yeah, there was one scene, I think, where, where you tell Harry to be again. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so we didn't, like normally you do a lot of pickups. You'd go back and you'd go after other material, but we didn't have to. And the reason that Jamie's the only person here is because we've had so many, we've had a lot of screenings for obviously the participants to this point, but Jamie missed the last one, so he's very kind to come along oh, a second. Oh, yeah, that was an incredible movie and incredible. Ah, thanks, Jamie. <laughs> can, can I ask you, in, in, kind of a follow on to that question, you, you do apply rules to yourself when you kind of approach your films with his and hers. It was kind of like a chronological structure with this, obviously, of the grading structure. And I know you also kind of have other rules that you apply to your films in terms of what you are going to and not going to do. Were, what were the additional rules for this film? And then do you ever feel limited by those? 
Uh, no, I like a rule. Uh, <laughs> I, I tend to stick to them, it's my nature, but um, I can't quite recall the rules for here because they were all kind of imposed by the fact that we had no money. Uh, I like everything. So um, we didn't move the camera, we didn't, we, we went, we spent one day, it was the rule that we would spend one day with a student, one day with a teacher. We'd have, at the end of each day with the teacher, we'd have the lesson. So it was actually very straightforward, it was a rhythm. And it's, again, suited the process when you know that you're out and about and doing something that was quite similar each day. It just got into a pattern. And I, beyond that, I didn't really have that many rules on this occasion, other than I knew I was starting at the start. But his and hers was a completely different beast because I would have been petrified. Like I was going home, having sort of breakdowns each night, thinking this isn't going to work, we'll never get it together. And, you know, I was trying to... So it was much more... I was much more relaxed in here because... I didn't feel the pressure, I suppose, of, I just felt this, it's going to be what it's going to be, and I can't do anything about it. Where in his and hers, I kept thinking, oh, maybe there's some other version of this film that I could, if, if needs be, come out with, but, yeah. Okay, uh, another question. I think it's time. Uh, there's someone over here. <laughs> we haven't had anyone on this There's side always a good moment to finish, isn't there, guys? <laughs> Like, I, I don't, you know what I mean? When, when, Kevin, <laughs> when Kevin goes like this, oh, we're right. going to finish, yeah. There There's a man over here. Oh, sorry. Really quick question. Yeah. Just, do we know if they all passed their exams? Ah, I was hoping someone would ask that. Uh, now, like, because this was shot in, two, in the summer of 2016, because we got into the South by Southwest Film Festival, we kind of delayed the release. Uh, so it's been a long, so that's a really good question. Uh, across the board, there have been failed. No, everybody passed this particular exam that they would have been, but people have dropped out. So, Miles, the elder of the two boys with Sister Carol, has dropped out. He's a teenager. He's going to, you know, he'll come back. He'll come back. Um, and uh, who else? I th Joel uh, with Eileen has moved on. Uh, he may be with another teacher. We're not quite sure. Uh, so there have been a few, but I think everybody passed. And actually, it's a, like I didn't want to go into the exam. I didn't feel it was a, uh, it was about that really. I didn't really care if they were passing or failing. And the majority of people do pass. You know, they're very kind. The examiners. You know, they may not be giving extinct uh, distinctions. Extinction. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> Uh, but uh, they're, they're, they're very kind, so I don't, it's very difficult to fail. Even Susan passed, and is now a grade three student, and so proud of herself. But she said this time around she recognised the piano when she went in. <laughs> okay. Uh, no. <laughs> Have you heard people play violin badly? <laughs> Let's I, I could. I, oh, speaking about ba badly playing, I'm so I'm like I am a brat when I go out because I have to do a few tricks of the trade. So one of the things was you go through the the lovely Royal Irish Academy book, and we had all of the pieces across all the grades. YouTube clips they're available as YouTube clips. So I'd listen to all six from each grade, and I'd choose the one I thought was the best for the grade or whatever. So we tell the person in advance. And I think we got too excited about that process, so we told pretty much everybody what piece it would be. And like day one, I realized, bloody hell, they've practiced this for the last four weeks. They were all perfect. So, and you know, it's got extra grinds because the teachers wanted them to be perfect. So then I obviously had to switch it up. 
So we were like, what? But I haven't practiced, so I was like, don't care. <laughs> we're not going. So I would give them the opportunity to show off, and then I'd, I'd make them suffer. <laughs> That's, uh, is there anyone in the middle has a question? Do you have an idea what? in the middle? I didn't know we were oh, geographically there's a, there's constrained. A lady, there's a lady at the back, and then yes. uh, after that. Thank you. Um, I work with children in on television, and I'm just absolutely amazed how you got all of those articulate. Um, we hear about young people all being monosyllabic, their faces in their devices, but they were just extraordinary. Oh, well, I'd, I, I'm so delighted that you said that because the kids were extraordinary and they just, I don't know, we, you know, I'm, I'm someone, I don't have kids myself and um, I do worry, you know, that that won't come up, you know, I'll fail miserably and kids, I learned a big lesson on, on, on his and hers where, you know, you realise you never ask a kid the same question twice because they're just bored and I, I just didn't converse with them in advance of going out. So I think that was a bit, you know, I think that might be a failure sometimes with, with research and stuff because you can ask the kids too much too soon. So I left everything till, till we were just there and I would have spoke um, in general to the parents and got vibes from the teachers about the kids. Look, I did have some fail, failures, you know. Yeah, no, we do. And, they, and unfortunately, and it wasn't just because they were quiet. It was just structurally it didn't make sense to have... Um, them in the film or whatever and um, but it's great to hear that because obviously that's my job I, it's the one thing I can do I guess and <laughs> I I, uh, I hope it continues as I get older <laughs> just, just, thank you just as a, as a last question can you tell us if everyone has seen it and how they've reacted to seeing themselves playing piano on the big screen it must be quite a big deal for them Considering you come along with your two-man crew, you film away, and they're probably like, oh, they'll probably never see that. <laughs> What's the response been like? It, it's been great. Like, uh, we've had, so we had our screening at ADIF, and so we had some people along for that, and then we had a special screening for the participants, and then we had our premiere screening. So we've had three opportunities. To date, Sister Carol can't get out of the uh, Abbey. <laughs> Mother Superior won't allow her. We'll have to have words with Mother Superior. Uh, so Sister Carol hasn't seen it, but she's tweeting and Facebooking like mad. <laughs> Honestly, she is. <laughs> I get, I know her, the, the parent's mother, like this is a lovely story. She said, I got a fa I woke up the other evening and I was like, I just was like doing that thing you shouldn't do in the middle of the night. I was checking my Facebook and I had a message at half three from Sister Carol. And she faced back and was like, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I went to the toilet and I just thought I'd check too. And they were like, she was having a conversation with Sister Carol on Facebook at 3.30. Uh, so, uh, Sister Carol hasn't seen it. Uh, Sheila has yet to see it. Uh, Sheila was sick. This is uh, our nuance lady. So, two of my favourite teachers have yet to see it, and that's, but hopefully, Sister Carl's getting, we're doing a DVD presentation when the DVD comes out in the Abbey, and uh, Sheila will hopefully get Sheila to a screening soon, so. Okay. Well, listen, thanks a million, Ken. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Just one final producer comment. Oh, wow. This is uh, Andrew Freeman, the producer <laughs> of All Kinds Films. I'm Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
such a producer. I thought he was going to thank me. <laughs> I was thinking at the box office. <laughs> Okay, so more supplies. Well, I, I, just in case anyone didn't hear that, just to underline that, please spread the word about the film because you know we need it. And secondly, uh, can I just say uh, thank you to all of you for coming and staying for the Q and A. It's, I think it's the biggest crowd I've ever seen here at a Q and A. And finally, <laughs> thank you to to Ken for a wonderful film. Thank you. All.